Welcome to TGI, Tourism Geography Insights, the podcast of Tourism Geography's journal where we discuss our latest research and developments of our peer-reviewed journal which explores tourism and tourism-related areas of recreation and leisure studies from a geographic perspective. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Tourism Geography's podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Associate Professor Yuji Zhu. He's Associate Professor at ANU Research School of Humanities and the Arts at ANU's College of the Arts and Social Sciences. And in Volume 25, Issue 1, 2023 of Tourism Geographies, he published his paper, Memory, Homecoming, and the Politics of Diaspora Tourism in China. Welcome, Yuji. Thank you very much, Steve, for this opportunity. Great. Well, listeners will know, as is custom in the podcast, we will ask a fairly standard set of questions to try to understand and better learn about the published article. So, Yuji, what question or problem was this paper setting out to understand? Sure, thank you. Um, so the paper mainly focused on the global phenomenon called diaspora tourism, and and which we often sometimes call it root tourism, um, has been gained great intention from researchers due to its significant impact on collective identities and meaning making. And this type of tourism involves diaspora community, communities visiting their ancestral homes for a variety of reasons including economics, culture, and sometimes even because of dark tourism associated with recalling certain kind of memories of trauma. Examples of, of all of these different diaspora tourism can include such as Jewish diaspora return to Israel to learn their religious roots, or African diaspora return to Ghana to learn about their African heritage or history of slave trade. The motivation behind diaspora tourism can be diverse while some individuals seek to build business connection, while others aim to understand their lineage and cultural heritage, or explore the historical significance of their ancestral home. However, it is essential to recognize the political reasons behind diaspora tourism, particularly where the host nation states organize tourism activities. In such case, I argue, diaspora tourism can serve as a mechanism for fulfilling political agendas for cultural diplomacy and ethnic governance. And that's the focus of the paper, which look at diaspora tourism is not simply a personal cultural practice, but a political activity that necessitates careful attention and critical analysis. So the study aims to offer insights into the complex relationship between identity, heritage, politics, and tourism. That's excellent. It's a it's a huge it's a huge topic, and you pointed out some examples there of different diaspora going, uh, you know, traveling in in different places. Now, your context was a group of Muslims from Kazakhstan traveling to China. So, can you elaborate on that a little bit more about uh, the background and the context of your of this work? Sure. So, this research explores the intersection between politics and diaspora tourism through a case study of the Dongan communities in Central Asia. The Dongans, 
who are the descendants of Chinese Muslim, were displaced from the homeland in the 19th century due to the political and the military controls. They settled in Soviet Central Asian regions, and, that, and now they are Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan. So with the collapse of Soviet Union, China sought opportunity to establish economic and cultural ties with Central Asia through its Silk Road. And then we also heard recent Belt and Road Initiative. So as a result, the Dongans, those Chinese Muslims who now in Central Asia, like other diaspora communities, start to return their ancestral homeland for tourism purpose. So this study in particular focused on the officially organized group visits of the Dongans to their homeland, which they have become their the annual event since 2000, 2010, organized by local government in Xi'an, which is an ancestral uh, and capital city of China. Um, the tourism events celebrate the idea of homecoming and revitalize the memories of their home, ancestral homeland through cultural and religious activities and exchange between Chinese Muslims and Dongan Muslims. So this case studies provides insights into how diaspora tourism can be utilized by Chinese government to facilitate economic and a cultural connection between homeland and the diaspora communities. Yeah, that's that's fascinating because I mean, you think about all the different generations of of outbound, you know, Chinese throughout, well, throughout all parts of the world, right? And and it, it can be such a big source of uh, of heritage, of culture, of and of course of, of tourism as well. So you've explained a bit about the motivation and the context. What sort of theoretical underpinnings or concepts do you touch on, uh, or do you use to? Um, yeah, to explain this phenomenon. Yeah, so there have been large um, theoretical uh, literature on diaspora tourism, and in particular, this study centered on Lee, McAnish, and Chen's conceptual framework, looking at the transnational practice of diaspora tourism from the host destination perspective. So I'm looking at it from the host. The framework highlights three elements that needs to be considered. The role of different stakeholders, second, the diaspora attraction and production, and third, marketing and site management. Enjoy on this framework, and this research discussion mainly focuses on three related issues from the host dimension. First um, is the political factor from the, the key stakeholder. As diaspora tourism has been utilized as a soft power to build economic connection between the diaspora and host destinations, so in this case of diaspora tourism to, uh, by Dongan Chinese, it, it reflects Chinese national interests in building di diplomatic relationship with Central Asia under the discourse of Silk Road and Belt and Road Initiative. So this state-led diaspora tourism aims to represent a success of domestic ethnic management on a global stage, especially the countries in the past decades dealing with more complex issues such as ethnic governance with Uyghurs and Tibetan. Secondly, following the framework regarding the attraction and production, I'm looking at particular cultural techniques that the diaspora tourism has been deployed. Um, the certain cultural techniques has been used to create di diaspora attraction and production. And the narrative focused on sharing the heritage of both communities, such as common language, 
beliefs or cultural customs or food. So the visits from uh, the Central Asia, those Chinese, the Dongan Muslims, does not encourage to revisiting those history of Muslim rebellion or suppression of violence from the Chinese emperor in the 19th century, but it instead emphasized a careful design of memory work, as what Sabina Marshall indicated, to build people-people connections through tourism and exchange. And lastly, uh, it's about the sustainability of Thai diaspora tourism, which is a very complex issue that often, based on rich literature, relies on budget management, image building of the destination, conflict between different stakeholders, and also interpretation of the destination site. As demonstrated by this case from the Dongan diaspora tourism, the sustainability of managing diaspora tourism is not only constrained by funding and resource management, but also rely on the policies of the host state, particularly its migration policy and ethnic policies. So as a result, in because of the geopolitical tension between China and neighboring countries in the past years, the officially organized diaspora tourism has been seized. So that we can see the sustainability is also relies on political issues. So as, as, as mentioned, the current framework focuses on three things, the political factor, the culture techniques, and also sustainability of diaspora tourism. Excellent, excellent. So given that framework, you know, what were the key takeaways? What were the findings? One fascinating thing is is it's not just about remembering and, and mentioning the commonalities, but what is not said or, or you know, the absence of, of mentioning some things, right? So maybe you can ex go into a bit more detail about some of the takeaways from the research. Yeah. So the key message for this study, uh, if we look at global implication of the study, is that diaspora tourism becomes an increasingly important phenomenon in the global culture and the political arena. And this study offers key insights in the political nature of diaspora tourism from the host perspective, particularly focused on following three key message or key areas. First, the use of diaspora tourism as a political tool. So we can see from this study that diaspora tourism is often employed by the host states as a political means of shaping transnational network and domestic ethnic governance, rather than simply as a homecoming experience. We can find similar patterns in other examples, such as the, the Jewish um, going, going, going back to other, other different related countries, or we mentioned the Africans going back to Ghana. Second, is the role of memory work in the diaspora tourism. As you indicated here, that it does not only involve remembering, but also forgetting. The both remembering and forgetting is essential to the creation of the imagined ancestral homeland as a tourism imaginary for people to be motivated to go back. This process reinforces culture and ethnic connections. Those are very positive, but also requires a careful balancing between the positive and negative aspects of diaspora history. So certain negative history need to be forgotten then we can create a sense of the present uh, for connection. Third key message of this study is the importance of sustainability of events. Why diaspora tourism can create valuable transnational connections is sustainability is not guaranteed. Success of tourism events like this 
depends on sometimes sufficient funding or management resources. But because of the complex of global political regions, especially geopolitics, it's also rely on regional ethnic and migration policies of the host states. So this study highlights the need for careful attention to all of these factors in order to ensure that diaspora tourism continue to provide meaningful experience for all the related stakeholders. These are three key messages for this study. That's great. Very interesting. I encourage readers to, to read the full article. Uh, before we wrap up, I'd, I'm interested in where, you, where would you like to take this research now? So in terms of, uh, you know, ha have you done any further studies or is there any further research plans in this area? Sure. In my new book, Heritage Tourism from Problems to Possibilities, published by Cambridge University, I provide some insights on the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on this kind of diaspora tourism or a bit more expansion on heritage tourism. Specifically, I discussed two important developments related to diaspora tourism has been emerged during this period. Firstly, as we know that in the past three years, the pandemic has caused a temporary process of deglobalization, as we've seen travel restrictions, physical barriers between countries has been re-emerged. This had a significant impact on business and people-people exchange between China and Central Asian countries through tourism. National authorities have implemented effective mechanisms to control political and economic resources, which has limited to limitations on tourism active activities in the region, and also increase the tensions between related countries. However, the second perspective of this is the pandemic has also triggered a dramatic emergence of digital heritage tourism. As we've seen these past two, three years, many cultural activities, festivals, heritage tourism programs has been digitalized, allowing people to benefit from virtual travel and the communication during the pandemic. This has provided an opportunity for exchange that can sometimes transcend political constraints. So we can see individuals and local communities have been able to connect beyond national boundaries, creating new opportunities for engagement, collaboration, exchange, and also tourism. These two factors, the deglobalization and the same time digital heritage tourism offer us new development especially in the post-COVID world or after the COVID world, by compare, comparing different diaspora tourism in different countries which uh, with different political regimes and state-society relationships. I believe these two insights will allow us to gain a better understanding of how political factors shape the experience and outcomes of diaspora tourism, both online and offline. Thank you. That's great, Yuji. Uh, yeah, like, like I said, I encourage readers and listeners to read the full paper. It, there, there's just so many different aspects that I, I think as uh, as tourism geographers, we can explore and so many different applications. And, and I, I think this is, well, has always been an important area, but uh, so it's it's great that you're continuing to, you know, contribute in, in this way. So we look forward to uh, to reading more of your work and, and uh, please uh, feel free to submit to uh, Tourism Geographies. Thank so, you, Steve. Yeah. So just as a reminder, we were speaking with uh, Associate Professor Dr. Yuji Zhu 
Uh, he's Associate Professor at ANU's Research School of Humanities and the Arts at the Australian National University. And we were talking about his recently published paper, Memory, Homecoming, and the Politics of Diaspora Tourism in China. Thanks for speaking with us, Yuji. Thank you very much, Steve.